Thank God for his goodness. Amen. We're going to be talking today. We're, we're, we're transitioning into uh, kingdom purpose. And the rest of this year, we're going to be talking about kingdom purpose. We have, we have a purpose. And it's not just to try to get people in a church. Our purpose is the kingdom of God. And thank God for gathering. I, I'm absolutely in favor of gathering. And, uh, so, uh, and we should do it more. The Bible says to do it more, even more, even more as you see that day approaching. And so we need to be even more diligent about it. But uh, we're going to be talking today about, and, and I, I plan this, you know, transition at this time because we're going to be talking, beginning to talk about culture. I may understand what culture is. You live in it every day. You've developed it in your home. You've developed it in your life. And a lot of times we don't really realize that this is our culture. This is what we, we live in. And the word culture in, in Webster's Dictionary, just different definition of Webster, says the social and religious structures and intellectual and artistic manifestations that characterize a society. So the things we do and the things we practice and the things we spend our time on is our culture. And the atmosphere of our home depicts, is, is depicted by the culture that we bring into our lives. That we, and the, the good thing is, is when you begin to realize this, a lot of us just simply go through life and we don't question the culture that has developed in our lives because it's normal from where we've come from or what we've been around or, or uh, you know, family members and, uh, you know, experiences. We, we feel like it's, it's, it's uh, normal. And so we, we, we don't uh, challenge it. But it's good to challenge your culture because you are the designer of your culture. You either let everything around you design your culture or you design your culture. And today we're going to be talking about developing a, a culture of gratitude. Whenever we talk about gratitude, you know, we think about just, just saying thank you once in a while. Well, that's nice, but that's not exactly a culture. Now, if you do it enough times, it starts becoming your culture. But you have to do it enough times. The culture of America is a complaining culture. Amen. Everybody complains, does a lot of complaining. Matter of fact, it is absolutely normal when you run into somebody and, and start talking to them. A lot of times the first thing that comes out is, uh, is complaining about something, and we, we think that is, is normal. And, uh, that you know, that's just how it's supposed to be. But... It, uh, it has some very uh, devastating effects on who we are, and it actually wires our brains. I want to read uh, an excerpt from an article on uh, the, effects, the effects of complaining on your mind and on your body. After I read this, hopefully we'll stop and say, you know, I might ought to tweak a few things in my life. It says, repeated complaining rewires your brain to make future complaining more likely. Over time, you find it easier to be negative than to be positive. 
Regardless of what's happening around you, complaining becomes your default behavior, which changes how people perceive you. And here's the kicker. Complaining damages other areas of your brain as well. Research from Stanford University has shown that complaining shrinks the hippocampus, an area of your brain that's critical to problem-solving and intelligent thought. We do not need to shrink this, people. We need to enlarge it. It's critical to problem-solving and intelligent thought. Damage to the hippocampus is scary, especially when you consider that it's the one primary brain area destroyed by Alzheimer's. While it's not an exaggeration to say that complaining leads to brain damage, it doesn't stop there. When you complain, your body releases the stress hormone called cortisol. Cortisol shifts you into fight-or-flight mode. This is one of the reasons that people have so much trouble with anxiety. Directing oxygen, blood, and energy away from everything but the symptoms that are essential to immediate survival. One effect of cortisol, for example, is to raise your blood pressure and your blood sugar so that you'll be prepared to either escape or defend yourself. All the extra cortisol released by frequent complaining impairs your immune system and makes you more susceptible to high cholesterol, diabetes, heart disease, and obesity. It even makes the brain more vulnerable to strokes. Everybody say this with me. I need to stop complaining. It causes brain damage. <laughs> Amen. Get that in your heart. I don't need any more brain damage. <laughs> yeah. We don't need it. We, we need improvements. And the Bible says that we can have the mind of Christ. Now, the mind is not the brain. The brain and the mind are two separate things. The mind is, is what you actually operate in. That's who you are. The brain is just simply the wiring that, that records, like a computer records what the, what the mind thinks and the repetitive things that you do. And it, it's, it's the part that causes you to operate, to move, to, to function. And so when, we, when we're babies, you know, I was holding my little grandbaby, Lindley, today while they was uh, singing and and every move, she's studying movements. And the only reason that we know how to move is because when we were babies, we studied movements. And so I, was, I, was, I had her laying on the floor, and I had her uh, burp rag. Well, I don't know what else you'd call it. And, and I, was, I was bringing it down and touching her with it, trying to, and I was teaching her. I'd touch her hand, and I'd pull it away. And I was teaching her to, to use her hands, and she would, she would move her hands and, and try, to, try to get hold of that. And she'd finally get a hold of it, and I'd say, all right, you did it. And she'd grin great big, and she'd pull on that, on that burp rag. She was, her brain was connecting neurons to where that would be a repetitive movement that she would remember the rest of her life, okay? But it's the mind that's causing the brain to function, and the brain simply is the recording. It records what the mind makes it do. And so I want you to turn your Bibles to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to jump right into this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting with verse 16. Real short statements. 
Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, it didn't say for everything, but in everything give thanks. Now, there's a lot of things happen in our life that we can't say, well, I'm thankful for that because it was bad. But it says in everything, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, I want you to, to read that with me. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Amen. Thanks, just, thanks means to, to be grateful or to express gratitude. In everything, give thanks. To be grateful, to express gratitude. It's not just thanking thoughts of gratitude. It's expressing thoughts of gratitude because you will not really believe what you think you believe until you hear your mouth saying what you believe. Amen. We have to hear ourselves. Amen. Now, men need this and women need it even more. I tell a lot of husbands in, in, um, in uh, marriage counseling, I tell them you've got to learn to listen to your wife because she needs to park her emotions somewhere on an issue. And she will not be able to park her emotions until she hears herself say what she needs to do. Thinking it doesn't work because women think with both sides of their brain, so they, they tend to ruminate. So they feeling fact, feeling fact, feeling fact, feeling fact. And and so, but in order to park your emotions, you need to talk about it. You need to that's why y'all like to get together and talk. Isn't that right? Because you you need to hear yourself say, and once you hear yourself talk about it, then it becomes more established in your in your spirit and in your mind, and you're able to say that's what I believe about this, that's what I want to do about this, that's what I think about this, and so we have to hear ourselves say it. If if you want to really get faith established in your heart, don't just think it, say it, say it, say it. You need to hear yourself say it. Amen. Praise God. There's sometimes I find out what I believe to listen to myself talk. Because what you're about comes out. That's true. What you're about is what comes out. If you want to find out what somebody's about, just listen to what they repetitively talk about. And what they repetitively talk about, you'll understand that that's, that's a major thing in their life. That's very important to them. Amen. That's good. Praise God. Everybody say, that's me, Pastor. All right, and me too. What we, what we ruminate on, what we think about, what we, and, and so gratitude versus complaining is something that we've got we've to really think about. In the, in the book of Philippians, turn with me to the book of Philippians, chapter 4 and verse 4. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> Again, I will say, rejoice. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. The book of Philippians is considered to be the happiest book in the, in the Bible. But it was written from prison. The happiest book of the Bible was written from somebody that was being mistreated, judged unfairly, and was incarcerated for it. And yet it's the happiest book of the Bible. I, I, I tend to believe that Paul established a culture in his life that was not determined by his surroundings or by his circumstances, but he constantly lived in this culture all the time because it was established in his heart. It's what he wanted to be. It's what he wanted to do. And so he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. In the Passion Translation, I love the way this is uh, said in the Passion Translation. In verse 4, it says, be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. I like that. Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let joy overflow for you are united with the anointed one. Hallelujah. That's, that's an awesome way of saying it. I like that statement because they're talking about seasons. Our life goes through seasons. We have different seasons in our life. And season, the, the, the word, the, the simple statement of season, uh, this is, a, I think, a good definition of it. A period of time regarded for having its own characteristics. A period of time regarded for having its own characteristics. Seasons change. Amen. Everybody say that with me. My season is changing. Everything, every, when, when you're at a certain place in your life, understand that it's going to change. Okay? We go through all kinds of natural seasons. We, we're, we're young, and then we, we, have, we have kids, and and uh, we then we're middle aged, and then we're then we're past middle aged, and then we're way past middle aged, and and uh, you know we're always hanging on that middle age though, but we're way past it. I did a funeral for a lady yesterday, and I, I suddenly realized that she was only 19 years older than I was, and and that caused me to stop and think, wow, you know, she uh, she was just 19 years older than me, and so that I thought, hey, I I've went through a lot of seasons. And uh, so what, what's this season going to be like, you know? And so when we understand seasons, we understand that we develop a culture. The, the, the word here is, is declaring in the Passion Translation that we should be cheerful and have joyous celebration in every season of life. Every season of life. Amen. Every season of life. Some of y'all not in a real good season right now, but you need to you need to be cheerful and celebrate. Have a joyous celebration about the season you're in. Why? Because that will help the season change. Don't get stuck in a season. Amen. Don't get stuck. A lot of us think we'd like to live, you know, in, in Rwanda. I've, I've thought different times it'd be neat to live there because it's called the land of eternal spring. It's spring weather all year round, all the time. It never changes. It's springtime 
all the time. They have rainy seasons where it gets a little cooler, which means it's down in the upper 60s and, and, and during the day and lower 70s and upper 60s. But most of the time, it's right in the daytime, it's in the low 80s, 81, 82 degrees, and then in the upper 70s or middle 70s at night. And, and it's really pleasant weather. It never gets too hot and it never gets too cold. And I've thought that would be really nice. And then I think, you know, I would probably get tired of that. You know, you get to, you get to thinking, you know, even though, you know, I get tired of cutting wood by the time the uh, end of the winter's over because we, we like to heat with wood. I get tired of that by the time uh, winter's over. And, but yet if I didn't do that, if, if I lived somewhere and didn't have to do that, I think I'd, I'd probably get to missing it. That would be a stretch, but I think I probably would. But seasons, be joyful, be cheerful, and have a joyous celebration. Some of y'all just need to stop and just have a, just plan a joyous celebration for the season you're in right now. And, and stop complaining about it because complaining is damaging your brain and damaging your health. I tend to believe that a lot of people start fading faster in life physically and mentally because they move into a season of continual complaining. Amen. I have to watch myself all the time. I, if I'm not careful, I get to complaining about what I can't do. That's, that's the worst thing you can do because then that's all you think about, what you can't do. So you don't celebrate anything. You just, you, you, you're you're more, constantly mourning what has passed, what, what isn't there anymore. So gratitude versus complaining. We got to determine whether we're going we're gonna to be complainers or whether we're going to have a culture of, uh, of gratitude. Gratitude will move you into the presence of God. Gratitude prepares you for the presence of God. You cannot enter the presence of God with a negative complaining attitude. But if you have an attitude of praise, an attitude of thankfulness, an attitude of gratitude, then that ushers you in. It makes it easy for you to come into the presence and the glory of God. That's why, that's why we sing. That's why we rehearse the things of God. It's not just because, you know, we want to have music in our church. It's because it's a practice. We need to practice being joyful. We need to practice being thankful. The songs we sing encourage us to meditate on the goodness of God and, and meditate on the power of God and the glory of God and, and thankfulness. And it, it helps us to move into that. And when we do that continually, then we develop that as a culture, a culture of praise, a culture of gratitude. And so the period that we're in doesn't mean that life is going to be that way all the time, but there, there's one thing that can be consistent is you can have joy in whatever season you're in. It's what Paul's talking about. And he proved that. Paul talked about that. Now listen, complaining doesn't mean you don't solve problems. There's times you have to deal with issues. There's times you have to deal with problems. The difference between problem-solving and complaining is problem-solving is discussing the problem with the end of resolving the problem. You're heading toward a resolution. You're heading toward something positive to resolve the problem. Complaining is just simply stating the problem without any plans of resolving the issue. 
which means you cement it into your life. If you work in a place where the culture is a complaining culture, everybody will be tense, be complaining, be gripey. It'll be a tough atmosphere. It'll be a place that you don't enjoy being there. Even though complaining at times feels good right at first, and one of the reasons is complaining releases cortisol. Cortisol causes your blood pressure to come up. It causes your blood sugar to come up. It causes your adrenaline glands to release adrenaline. So just for a few minutes, you feel energized when you complain. I don't know what to refer this to. I don't want to sound too bad. It'd be like any temporary high or any temp anything we use to try to have a temporary feeling. It only lasts for a short time, and then, and then what's left is bad feelings. What's left is, is aching, tired muscles. What's left is a foggy mind where you can't think good. What's left is, is headaches and, and stress caused because of the cortisol, because of the chemicals that are being released in your body when you complain. And when you develop a culture of complaining and constantly complain, you live in a state of fight or flight. You feel like you're always the victim. You feel like somebody's after you. In other words, you constantly stay in this, in this endangered state. Your body and your mind is always in a state that I am in danger. There's something wrong. And so we constantly have chemicals being released that cause, I, I tend to believe that, that a lot of the things they diagnose today with and try to give you medicine for, but they don't even know what causes it. I have a tendency to believe that that is from an, a culture of complaining. Amen. Boy, it's good preaching. We're, 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 dealing with, we're dealing with the issues that matter. The issue. Now, having a, having a grateful attitude, it's a mindset change. It's something that you have to purposely um, decide that you're going to do. It's not something that just happens naturally. It's a mindset change. It's a culture. I, I can tell you that... that in our home, we have a culture of gratitude, and that is because of Sister Betty. She is thankful all the time. She doesn't complain. She's not a complainer. She doesn't gripe about stuff. She has the motto that if, if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. That's her motto. So she doesn't complain about anything. And I'm, I, on the other hand, I have a tendency to be a little irritable sometimes. I have a tendency to, to complain about stuff just a little bit, especially when things aren't working quite right. I have a tendency to complain a little bit. And so she, she offsets that with an attitude of gratitude. It's just it's what she's developed in her nature. It's, just, it's her world. It's her life. It's what she lives all the time. So that makes it possible for me to adapt to that. You understand what I'm talking about? Instead of me turning her into a complainer, she has turned me into somebody with an attitude of gratitude. Come on, somebody. What you're around influences you. Amen. Praise God. Sometimes 
Sometimes when she's watching her Hallmark movies, I'll, I'll start this, you know, her Christmas Hallmark movies. My goodness, there, there's just, I, am, I, I had to recover from depression when I found out that they were releasing 40 new Christmas Hallmark movies this year. Lord, help me, Jesus. When, uh, when she, sometimes when, when, when she's watched them, of course, you know, I'm a thinker, so I'm always, you know, I can't just watch something and just take it, you know, I, I, I dissect it. I have to, I, you know, I, I think things through, and I, I'll say, well, that's impossible. Well, that can't happen. Well, that, you know. And so I'll, sometimes I'll, I'll be, she'll be watching one of her Hallmark movies, and, and, you know, I'm sitting over there, and she'll look over at me and go, one time I, I said, I, it, in the first five minutes, I said, well, they gave you the whole, the whole script right there. And I started explaining everything that was going to happen and how it was going to take place. And she said, you know, you know fasting? I said, yeah. She said, how about you fast commentary? <laughs> I said, I really don't feel called by God to that. I, I don't think that's heaven speaking. But if we're not careful, we, we, develop, we can develop a, a, an ungrateful or a griping attitude. If on your job, if there's, if there's a lot of complaining on your job, start finding a way to say something good every time somebody complains about something. You'll find out that you will be viewed as offensive. You'll irritate it. Why? Because you are irritating the atmosphere. You're interrupting the atmosphere. You're interrupting their adrenaline cortisol high. But they don't realize that if they could just turn that around to an attitude of gratitude, that they would feel even better because their brain would flow easier, their thinking would flow easier, their body would feel better, they would have more energy, they would be better problem-solving, and, and everything would go a little bit better in the day because simply because they had an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude is the key to success. You cannot complain your way into success but you can be thankful and gra grateful to get you into success. Next time you're on the job and, and you, you feel like just complaining about stuff, stop and check yourself and start finding something to be grateful about, to say something grateful. Amen. Don't shout me down. I, just quiet down. I need to, I need to finish this. I want to read a couple of excerpts from, uh, from a book called Think, Learn, Succeed by, by Carolyn Leaf. It says, one recent study investigated the effects of gratitude on behavior and looked at the response in the brain to the mind. The researchers found the subject who part, subjects who participated in a gratitude letter writing exercise. Boy, that would be something, wouldn't it? A gratitude letter writing exercise showed bo both positive changes in their behavior and greater brain activity in the front of the brain, the medial uh, prefrontal cortex, up to three months later. Three months after they did this exercise, their brain was still showing the results of that exercise for three months. That's an effect, isn't it? Just think what it'd do if we, we turned it into a lifestyle. 
This study indicates that if we practice gratitude, we will revive the wired-for-love design of our brain, activating a self-perpetuating cycle of positivity in the mind. That is a powerful statement. When we choose to be grateful, we tap into our natural design. Research on the effects gratitude has on our biology show how being thankful increases our longevity, our ability to use our imagination, and our ability to problem solve. It also improves our overall health. Praise God. Gratitude. Now, here, here's, some, here's some tips for ac- activating this, okay? Can you all bear with me a little bit? I know I, if, if I was jumping off the platform running around, it'd be more exciting, but you need to listen. <laughs> Number one, gratitude begins with an awareness of whether you have an attitude of gratitude. So intentionally and critically observe your thinking to determine if an attitude of gratitude is part of it. Listen to what you say. Take account of what you think and start evaluating what side of the, of the spectrum you're on. Are you on the negative side or on the positive side? What happens in your car when, when, when the voltage regulator, the dial on your voltage regulator starts going to the negative side? After a while, you run out of energy, don't you? Amen. And that's exactly what happens to our life. Number two. Do you spend more time counting your blessings or more time focusing on what is missing from your life? That is a big statement right there. Do you you spend more time counting your blessings or do you spend more time thinking about what's not in your life, what's missing from your life? If I just had this, I would be happier. Well, I should have this because everybody else has it. Well, I should, I should be here. I should be there. That's one of the problems that men have in midlife crisis. They start looking around, and they start judging themselves by other men that are their age, and rather they have attained as much as other men. And then if we haven't, we begin to feel like we're not succeeding. We haven't accomplished what we need to accomplish and we start having this crisis that says we got to change something we got to do something different by the time I when when I was uh getting ready to turn 50 I walked in the house one day and I, I told sister Betty I said hey you know I'm almost 50 and they say that men have midlife crises you know around that time and I said I was reading the other day that men usually do one of three things when they have a midlife crisis this is the most popular of the th- of the things that men do Number one, they buy a Corvette, they buy a Harley, or they have an affair. Sister Betty looked at me and said, I'm good with two of those. (laughs) So we went and bought a Harley. I'm thinking about the Corvette, too, but actually, I just, I just, you know, I just need a 69 Mach 1 Mustang. That would, that would take care of all of it, you know, that, woo-hoo, I felt the anointing on that, look at that. I feel it. Glory. Yeah. Yes, sir. 428 Cobra jet engine. Mm. Angels are singing. I hear them. Angels are singing on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Number three, are you thankful? Spend the next week analyzing how grateful you are. Now, this is, 
this is challenging to us. Keep a record somehow of every time you are grateful and every time you are whiny over a seven-day period. <laughs> Should we assign that to somebody else? I'm not sure we'd be good at keeping track of that. You know, that, I'm a, my, my marriage counselor might really pick up if you assign your mate to keep track of that. I'm, I'm not sure that would work good. <laughs> You're whining again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Number four, do you find yourself saying things like, we didn't manage to see that or do that? Instead of, we did manage to see this or do that. Do we celebrate what we have achieved and what we've been able to do, or do we celebrate what we, or we complain about what we haven't been able to do? Come on. Yep. Amen. One of the things I found about vacations, vacations are for relaxing. Did you know that? That's a revelation, isn't it? When me and Betty was first married and, and all the time was raising our kids, I was, I, I always had to have a schedule. And I was, I was, I was a dictator when it comes to schedule. If we were going to be leaving on vacation to relax, <laughs> we have to leave exactly at 6.30 in the morning, be in the car, packed, the engine running, and pulling out of the driveway at 6.30 or everything falls apart. I was like that for years. And... <laughs> And then I had to, we had to, we had to make this many miles this day, and we had to make this many miles the second day, and and and, you know, sometimes we would drive all night long because we had to have, we had to get to a certain place. There's one time that I drove for 28 hours straight, pulling a travel trailer because I kept having trouble with the pickup, and we could have stopped somewhere, spent the night and let me work on the pickup, but we had to be at this certain place on a certain day. So I would stop in every town, jump out, work on the pickup, jump back in, drive to the next city, jump out, work on the pickup, drive to the next city, jump out, work on the pickup, and finally at 2.30 in the morning on the day we were late, we were supposed to be there before midnight to be there on the right day, but we were 2.30, it was two and a half hours after the... <sighs> And come find out it was the very thing that I said from the beginning, but I kept talking myself out of it. I had put a new fuel pump on the truck. And it kept acting like it was running out of gas when I hit an incline. And I kept telling myself, it's a new fuel pump. It can't be the fuel pump. So I changed other things, and I worked on this, and I worked on that. Finally, after hours of this all day and all night i finally stopped and bought a new fuel pump put it on it and that fixed it the fuel pump was faulty when we have these times where we're supposed to relax a lot of us find out we can't relax 
because we don't have the attitude that allows us to do so. We don't have a grateful attitude. We don't have a happy attitude. We have a, we have a accomplishment attitude. We have a got to get this done. We got to have this. We, that's our attitude, and we have a hard time getting away from that. And so, in the last several years, I've softened tremendously. Sister Betty's not in. Oh, there she is. I have softened tremendously on this, and I just kind of go with the flow. Now, there are some days that we'll ride for 18 hours because we have to get to a certain definite destination, but I'm just going with the flow, you know. I'm not, I'm not irritated. I'm happy. Last time we did that, we, rode, we, rode, we put in an 18-hour day in, in 105 to 115 degree temperatures across the desert finally got to 29 Palms, California, stopped for a couple of days. Betty Jane had some family there, and they had a swimming pool, and that's where me and Damon lived for the next two days. We put some, we put some chairs out there, and we just sit out there. We got ready to leave, and we were going to be heading up through San Francisco. And Sister Betty never complains. Like I said, she has a culture of gratitude. She never complains. But she does have a way of letting me know that she doesn't want to complain about something. <laughs> because as we were loading the bike, getting ready to take off, going to be traveling back through hot, over 100-degree temperatures, as we we're getting ready to get on the bike, she looks at me and she says, um, if there's going to be any more days like the other day, 18 hours, dropped me off at the airport in San Francisco. <laughs> so I told Damon, I said, we're going to have to cut her down. We can't be riding like that. And I'll be if that, did, that day didn't turn out exactly like the other one. I mean, we ended up riding until late that night because we made, we made some errors and stuff. But we were happy. See what I'm talking about? It was happy. Learn to be grateful. If you break down, be grateful about it. You know, a lot of times we'll break down and we'll say, hey, we're exactly where we need to be. That's hard to do, isn't it? Yeah, that's hard. Really hard for me because I am an accomplishment-oriented person. Number five, think about what you say before you say it. Most of us, myself included, have a tendency to open our mouth and what's in our brain falls out. Yeah, that's not always a good thing. And if you have already begun to think something negative, watch what you say and catch those thoughts, change them, and say something positive before you start complaining and damaging your brain and your relationships. <laughs> Stop! You're about to have brain damage. <laughs> I, hope, I hope we remember what we're saying here. Because this is extremely important. Praise God. Cultures. Cultures. We got to develop a culture. I want, I want to read a couple of uh, lines from uh, this book. The Way of Life. Praise God. See, I actually remember what I read in these books. Even though I got six going at one time. The word apostle. We talk about apostles. 
The word apostle is a term used by both Greek and Roman armies to describe the leader of an entourage with the assignment to bring the culture of the conquering country to the one newly conquered. The purpose for this is fascinating. It was so that, the, that their ruler would feel as at home there as he did in his home country. I want you to stop and think about that for a minute. What did Jesus tell us to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We are culture changers. It's given, uh, it's assigned to the church to change culture, and the apostolic calling is to go into an area and change the culture of that area or that church so that the king will feel as comfortable here as he does in his home country. You, know, you get what I'm talking about? In earth as it is in heaven. We got to develop a culture that says, God, we want you to feel as at home around us as you feel in heaven. Amen. Around all the angels. And we want you to feel like you're in the culture of heaven, even though you're on earth. Amen. What a powerful thing to be called to change the culture and adapt earth to God to adapt earth to Holy Spirit so that Holy Spirit is at home on earth with us. That's where the portals come from. That's where the glory comes from. We talk about the glory of God residing in an area. It's because they have developed a culture that makes it possible for that to happen. A complaining culture grieves the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to say that again. A complaining culture grieves the Holy Spirit because he is not a complainer and he's not into complaining. He's into answers. He's into compassion and answers. Amen. So when we, when we have a complaining spirit, I, there, for several years as a young pastor, I got to where I, I, I disliked going out to eat at restaurants on Sunday afternoon after church because the people that was there from church would openly criticize everything about the service. Oh, my goodness. I got to where I just, I just, I just despised it. One of the reasons is because I have a hard time trusting myself. I have a hard time not saying something. And that don't always go over real good. When a stranger walks up to the table and says, did anything good happen today? That doesn't go over very good. Or if you walk up and say, you know, if you'd pray for it and, and encourage your pastor, he might preach better. There was, there was one day we sit down in a restaurant and, and I sit there and, and, and I might as well, I shouldn't have ate because when, when you eat, when you're upset and you eat, this is scientifically proven, when you eat and you're upset about something, your body discards 80% of the nutrition. In other words, you, even though you're eating, your body's not getting any nutrition out of it. 
because of the chemicals and because of the way your body shut down. Did you know that when you complain, when you have an attitude of complaining, a negative attitude, did you know that the DNA strands, every DNA, you've got, you've got, I mean, I don't even know how many DNA strands in your body. I mean, everything has a DNA strand in it. And when you're negative, when you're living in a negative attitude and you're complaining, your DNA literally shrinks the strands of DNA, you know, they look like ladders, you know, little twisted ladders. They actually shrink down, and several bars of that DNA shut off. In other words, you go into survival mode. Your body goes into survival mode, and you stop being the person you were created to be because your DNA is shutting down, turning off. Literally. That's why we're not as healthy as we should be. That's why we can't think as good as we should. That's why we don't function as good as we should be. Because we have went into survival mode. The DNA strands have shrunk and several bars. In other words, everything that it, it feels like is not necessary for survival shuts off. So we live in a state of being shut down closed off, surviving, barely functioning. But when you start being grateful, when you start having gratitude, when you start letting love and joy into your life, those DNA strands literally start stretching back out and they start lighting back up. They start, in other words, you start becoming who you were created to be. The atmosphere of heaven is an atmosphere of rejoicing, an atmosphere of praise. Amen. As I was studying this, I thought, wow, I've got some challenges ahead of me. Amen. I try to be a pretty upbeat person, but as I've been studying this, I've been thinking, man, I, I'm not as upbeat as I thought I was. You know, sometimes even when you do good things, you, you do it with a little bit of an atti attitude. You ever done that? You're doing a good thing, but you're doing it with an attitude. There was a bunch of trash on the road here. Somebody lost several bags of trash on the road right, right up here, the road I live on, 176, right on the corner. It was getting scattered everywhere. There was bags, there was trash everywhere. And I had to pass it several times and didn't have time to do anything. And I kept thinking, you know, maybe the person that, that you know, did, met, did, did it uh, will come back and clean that up. <laughs> and so yesterday afternoon, I, had a, I did a funeral yesterday morning in Springfield. And when I got home, I changed clothes and I got my stuff together. I got my, my pincher things. And, with, and took several bags and went over there, parked my truck with the flashers on, and got out and started cleaning that up. I would like to tell you that I was doing that with a joyful attitude. But I was not. I was doing it with just a little bit of irritated that somebody would do that to the road I live on and not clean it up. And then 7,000 cars passed by and nobody helped. 
I even had such an attitude that when cars would come, I'd stand right in the middle of the road. Pull over and help me. Hey, come on. They would slow down. Some of them even honked at me. So tempting to just put that trash bag on top of their car as they drove off. But I cleaned, I cleaned it all up, and I was happy because it looked so much better. It was clean. And on the way home, I thought, you know, that would have went a whole lot better if I would have enjoyed the fact that I was doing something good and, and not been so aggravated that it had happened and aggravated who it was. And, and you know, the, you know I, wanted to, I wanted to put it on the news that whoever lives on 176 and eats at Wendy's, and Panda Express all the time needs to clean up their trash because that's what it all was. It was all Wendy's carryout and Panda Express. And I thought, good night. Do these people ever eat at home? And you know how they give you a whole lot of napkins? I think there was hundreds of napkins on the road, and it had rained. I didn't want to touch it, so I would scrape at them. I would have had a much more fulfilling day if I would have went over there thinking, man, I'm glad I get to clean this up and make this look better. It would have been much better. So I had, to, I had to go home, and I had to change my attitude, get cleaned up, and I come over here to the church, started studying more about my message, realizing that I had just not done what I was going to be preaching on. <laughs> so it took me a little while to get this put together last night. When you have to pray through every line of notes you write down, you have to pray through, spend time in it. Okay, God, I, you know, I messed that one up. Okay, yep, mm-hmm, yep. Culture. Culture is seen by the characteristics that you live by, the repetitive characteristics in your home, in your life. And it's how other people perceive you. Amen. Don't do this, but <laughs> please don't do this. But one of the ways you could find out if you're a grateful person or not would be to survey the people you're around all the time. They would know. They would know. But like I said, do not do that because you need those people, you need those relationships in your life. And I'm afraid that that might be a little challenging if they actually start anyway. So in everything, the mindset to learn to tweak how we think, it's not just about what we say, it's how we think and then saying what we think, changing how we think about things changing how we feel about the people we're around, the people we work with, people in our home, how we, how we think anybody can complain, but not everybody can make, it, can make a difference. And so I'm talking about people that make a difference. Praise God. Hallelujah. See there, David, I got through all that. Didn't bring, I didn't bring all my books out. I should have. Everybody's sitting there thinking, oh, man, I've got to really start.
start thinking about what I'm doing. And this afternoon, some of you are going to, it's, 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 it's just going to rise up in you, and you're just, you're going to want to just complain so bad, and you got to stop it and hang on to it and, and try to tweak it and just trying to come out, and, and you got to try to change it and say something good. And some of y'all are going to do it through gritted teeth. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Sister Betty challenges me all the time because she's always saying thank you. I mean, always, all the time, all the time. I'll do something and she'll say, well, thank you. And that's great, except for the fact that it makes me realize that I don't do that. It's kind of it's like you ladies saying, I love you first, and then standing there waiting for a response. Well, it just feels kind of cheap. To say, well, I love you too. And you don't believe that because you feel like you just made us say it. And so once you do that, we're stuck. We have no way out except just to simply give a less important version of what you just said. Yeah, I love you too. So I've started trying to head her off. I've started trying to beat her to it and hurry and say, well, thank you, before she has a chance. When waiters come, when we're eating at a restaurant, waiters come to the table, she tells, she tells them thank you for everything they do. I mean, they put a napkin down, well, thank you. You know, everything. Matter of fact, we, we actually cannot stand to eat with people that complain and gripe all the time you're eating. I mean, griping about the food, about the service, and all that kind of stuff. I'm just, I'll just about get up and leave because I can't stand it. Why eat if you're not even going to get anything out of it? 80% of the nutrition is going to go to waste. I'm paying good money for this stuff. I need it to matter. But having a culture change into a culture of gratitude will prepare us for what God's wanting to do in this area. And we got to make that shift. Praise God, we've got to make that shift. So this afternoon when we go over there to eat, I want you all to practice gratitude. Who made this? This is awesome. Amen. Even if you can't stand it, say something good. <laughs> stand with me if you would. Oh, praise God. What an awesome day. Hallelujah. Thank you for standing. That was well, so wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Sister Betty's always telling me, you're always ordering people around. You need to say thank you and please. And I do my best to do that. Sometimes, when I remember. Father, we want your presence. We want you to be at home, right here in our midst. Holy Spirit, we want you to enjoy the atmosphere. We want you to enjoy it because it's your home. It's in earth as it is in heaven. We want to feel your glory. We want to experience your glory and your presence. 
And now, Lord God, we, we purpose in our hearts to make the shift, to make the change, to develop a culture of gratitude. Lord, your word tells us constantly over and over and over in the New Testament to be thankful. To be thankful. Lord, you even told us, Paul, you, you told us, you told us that in your writings, Timothy, that one of the characteristics of the last day people would be unthankful and unholy. Father, we don't want to be a part of that group. We want to be a part of your group. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Everybody say, say, repeat this prayer with me. Say, Father God, help me to change my culture in my life, in my family, my home, my workplace. I want to change my culture to your culture, who you are, what you are, and what you have in my life. In the name of Jesus, I release my physical body from negative effects of complaining and negative thoughts. I declare healing over my body, release over my body. I pray release over my mind, that my mind would be free, relaxed, would flow with intellect and reasoning, problem solving, not tense. Father, I pray for my mind, my brain, to be released from the negative effects of complaining. In Jesus' name, hallelujah.